Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. We've been in a series that we have entitled The Names of God. The Names of God. Now, why have we been studying the names of God? Because the Bible says in Psalms 9, 10, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who do what? Who seek you. Now, that's a great scripture to memorize. Let me say it again. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. That's a scripture that's packed with powerful promises, albeit it's a conditional one. It's conditional. God, God, the Bible says, will never turn his back on you, but you have to do some things. You have to seek him, and you have to get to know him. No, not just know about him. We talked about that last week. You actually got to get to know him. There's a scripture that says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And therein lies the crux, because it's always a heart issue. When I think of uh, the God who wants to be found and a world that's full of distractions and excuses and people caught up in entertainment and all these other things, and over the last six weeks or so, all those things have come to a, you know, a standstill so that now you have more than enough time to focus and to seek him if that's your heart's desire. And so we've been studying his names as seen in the Bible because there are rewards for those who seek him and get to know him. El-Rohi, the, the God who sees. Again, there's a passage of Scripture that asks a rhetorical question. Can the one who made the eyes see? Can the one who made the ears hear? The answer is, of course, which brought us to the next week, which was Elohim. Elohim literally means the one true God, the all-powerful creator, the one who made the eyes and the ears and the mouth, the one who created everything. Now, as we saw in Exodus, not only has, does he have the power to create, he's got all power, the all-powerful one. We saw that with Moses and Aaron. You remember when, when the showdown was set up, when God instructed Aaron to take the staff and throw it to the ground in front of uh, the Pharaoh and all of his, you know, his Egyptian leaders and, and the magicians. And when he threw down that staff, the Bible says that staff became a snake. But again, I remind you that Pharaoh didn't seem overly impressed because he also threw down his staff. He, well, he instructed his, his magicians to throw down their staffs, and all of their staffs became snakes. But something incredible happened in that moment. The Bible says that God's staff or Aaron's staff swallowed up all of their staffs. Come on, somebody. I mean, what's the message in that? Yeah, uh, Satan has some power, uh, some power to mimic and, 
and, you know, copy things. But God's got all power. Amen? God's got all power. And that message, the, 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 the meat of that message is if God, our all-powerful creator, can handle the building and the putting together of the entire universe, then do you think he has the ability to take care of whatever small thing that you are dealing with, whatever crisis that might have come into your life, your family? The answer, of course, is yes, he does. Which nicely brings us to today's study. And the name that we are going to be studying today is Jehovah Sabaoth. Say that with me, Jehovah Sabaoth, which at its root refers to a captain or general who commands a mighty army. Now, you need to know that in the scriptures, Jehovah Sabaoth is used uh, some 270 times. The King James translates his name as the Lord of hosts, while the NIV translates it as the Lord Almighty. Psalms 24.10 asks the question, Who is he, this King of glory, the Lord Almighty, Jehovah Sabaoth? He is the King of glory. In fact, the, the word Sabaoth can, can refer to one of four large groups or a large quantity of hopes of hosts. Um, one, it could be a huge congregation. Number two, it could be an immense army. Number three, celestial bodies as seen in the stars. You'll see that in Isaiah chapter 34, verse 4. And the fourth translation is an innumerable angelic beings. And I like that concept. An angel army. Think about it. An angel army at the full disposal of the Lord Almighty. In other words, not just that, the Lord Almighty has all the hosts and resources of heaven ready to do his work at his will. Think about that. And when he's called this in the scripture, like I said last week, it's generally when people find themselves in a situation. You know what I mean by situation. A very difficult time in their lives. Their backs are against the wall. And they're in a, in a position where unless God moves, unless God shows up, they are going to be in serious trouble. And so today, I want to introduce to you four biblical stories, four um, illustrations, if you will, to kind of help us get a better picture of this name and to help us learn to call him by this name when we feel like we've got our backs against the wall or we feel like our situation uh, 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 is up against the ropes, all right? Because when we affirm in the midst of our battles, and listen to me, when we affirm in the midst of our battles that the battle doesn't belong to me, but the battle belongs to the Lord, listen to me, he, he will go to battle on your behalf. He will go to battle on my behalf. I, I, it transfers in that moment ownership from just my problem to his problem as well. Come on, somebody. And how many of you know that God's never met a problem that he can't handle, a, a situation that he can't overcome? Amen? And so 
Folks, I, I may be weak, or you may be weak or limited in, in our strength and in our resources, but I read somewhere that the, that the, the Lord of hosts has the, the, owns a cattle or, or a thousand cattle and a thousand hills. Or the, the, in other words, God has no limits to his resources. I may not have the highest IQ or, or to be the, the smartest guy in the room, but I know somebody who has the ability that if I spent some time, you remember that story in the Bible where it talks about how they, they uh, wondered at the responses of the disciples of Jesus because they were average and ordinary men, but they took note, they took note that they had been with Jesus. In other words, something had changed. They went from average and ordinary. They were, in, in fact, fishermen at the time, which you need to know that back in those days, if you ended up as a fisherman, you probably, you probably failed out of, you know, parochial school or something. You, you, you didn't go on, on to higher education. This was, <laughs> this was the fail-safe job. But it was among those average and ordinary people that Jesus decided to pick his disciples. And in the span of, of, you know, just a few years of walking with Jesus, people started to take note that they had been with Jesus because of the things that were coming out of their mouths and the wisdom and the miracles that were taking place. Can I just say this? If you spend time with Jesus, he'll make you look smarter than you really are. Amen? He, he has the ability to, to make you look wiser than you really are, stronger than your own abilities. Again, I'm talking, I'm talking to somebody out there today. But your, your, your problem when, when it comes to dealing with those situations in your life, really it's not God's inability or God's ability. It's, it's your own ability. It's, it's a lot of times we get in our own way. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, we call on everything and everybody before we call on on God. And so we, we, we get to that place. It's, it's like the guy who, who's driving down the road and he's lost and he don't want to pull over to ask for direction. The wife knows he's lost. The kids know he's lost. <laughs> but, you know, he's got so much pride. On, and now I'll just keep going in the wrong direction. And, and that's how sometimes we, we, we approach our walk with the Lord. We get in our, we get in our own way. And as long as we stay in control of driving, yeah, you, you may get some results and you may get so, so far. But when you get to that place where you get out of the way, you know, there's a bumper sticker on a car that says, Jesus is my, Jesus is my co-pilot. And everyone say, hallelujah, Jesus is my co-pilot. No, man, Jesus is my pilot. Let him drive. Let him steer. Let him, let him get you out of those situations that you got yourself into. Listen to me. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just get out of the way. Just humble yourself and say, Lord, I surrender. I, 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 I turn this thing over to you. It, it, it kind of reminded me of, a, of um, a personal situation when I was younger. When we first came down to, to South Florida from New York, um, the, the situation in South Florida in the 70s were... Um, Things were racially charged. I mean, it wasn't that way in New York, at least not where I used to live. 
no one saw color, but the moment you came down here, apparently everyone tried to push you in camps. And so you were either this color or that color with this race or that race. And, and so, you know, it, it was an issue. And I remember uh, one day uh, riding home from school on the bus. And back in those days, uh, in the 70s, what, what, I might have been what? I don't know, 12 or 13 or something like that. And I was like, you know, a buck ten soaking wet. I know I'm going into two and three times the man I, I used to be, or at least the kid I used to be. But about a buck, you know, and I wasn't a whole lot. And I got myself in a situation where there was a couple of redneck kids on the bus, and uh, bigger kids, and, and because I was one of the smaller ones, they decided that, I, you know, I was going to be the, the person they were going to pick on with um, comments that they were making and um, racial slurs and all that other stuff. And, and they know me back in the day, too. I can give it just as well as I can take it. I wasn't one that's going to sit there and, and be verbally abused or threatened. And, of course, they didn't like it back when they were calling me names, and I gave it right back to them. And, and one of them said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do blankly blank to you when we get off the bus. And so, all right. And so we got off the bus, and as I turned around, bam, I got sucker punched. Now, as I'm doubling over, now, mind you, there's two of them, and, and at this point, they're thinking it's just me. Next thing I know, <laughs> that same guy who's running his mouth goes flying, skidding across the, the, the pavement, and his hand's up like this, because what he didn't realize is that, that my older brother was sitting in the back of the bus. And, uh, you know, don't ask me why he was quiet during that whole interaction during the, in the thing, because for some strange reason, he thought I was by myself. But my big brother was in the bus with me. And when he got off and he hit me, my brother didn't waste any time and tagged this dude. And this guy goes sliding, and him and his friend, and now he's like this, please. I'm sorry, and my brother said, if you touch him ever again, I mean, and then he, you know, he put the fear of, he had to come to Jesus moment, I am going to do this and that. And the guy was so apologetic, I'm so sorry. Now, I said all that to say this, too. I mean, I don't, I don't recall ever... I don't recall that kid getting back on the bus with us. He had made a he had made a gross miscalculation in his in his own estimate as to see he he thought I was alone. Some, somebody needs to be paying attention to what I'm saying here today. He thought you know that uh, that he had a situation where he was bigger than me and and quite frankly he was because I was you know not that big back in the day, but he didn't realize that I wasn't alone. Big Brother was right there with me. Well, it's the same concept, folks. <laughs> you are never alone. And the enemy, uh, at some level, is maybe not be totally intimidated by you. But I got some promises in God's word that he says he will never leave us nor will he forsake us. Amen? And so he's always with us. And whatever demon or or demonic situation that's coming your way that's threatening to pummel you or do whatever to you, you know, maybe in your own strength you don't have it, but in the strength of, of Jehovah Sabaoth, listen, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angelic 
armies, the victory is yours. Now listen to me. The first instance of Jehovah's Sabbath oath is found in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3. Interesting story, because in this chapter, we, we, we read that uh, a fellow by the name of Elkanah, who was married to two wives, Hannah and Penina, okay, and he and his family went up to his town every year to worship and sacrifice to the, to the Lord Almighty or to Jehovah Sabaoth at Shiloh. Now, just a side note, he obviously, Elkanah was obviously a devout man because, because he did this, if you read the, the context, he did this while the whole culture was heading south spiritually. So here was a man of God who was following after the things of God while the culture was going the opposite way. He was going against the tide, and he took his family to worship. Now, just a side note again, men, if you're out there, let me just tell you, unfortunately for so many uh, uh, churches, then there are more females in the church than there are men, and that should not be. Because God puts the onus and the responsibility and the spiritual leadership on you as the man. It is not ultimately the responsibility of your wife or your significant others to lead your family to the things of the Lord. It's yours, and God will hold you responsible. I I often share a statistic that I've heard many times over the years that that when, and I I love, you know, a spiritual leadership coming from men or women. But when a woman comes to the Lord and gives heart to the Lord and surrenders her heart to the Lord, the statistics goes like something like 33% of the family will follow. 33% of the family will follow her. But when a man does it, almost 90%, 87 or 90% of the family will follow them. And notwithstanding what the world tells you, fellas, that, you know, you, you know, you're making excuses for you or or telling you that you don't matter. A lot of the sitcoms back in the day, men were stupid or this or that. No, that's not how God sees you. God sees you as a leader and you're responsible. And let me just tell you something. Do as I say and not as I do. That doesn't work. Go go to church with your, your, you know, with your mother and, and, or with your grandmother while you sit home playing video games or, or you know, drinking beer, you know, watching sports. <laughs> Not a whole lot of sports watching now unless you're watching reruns or, or, or smoking weed. And you're saying, well, it's a good idea to learn spiritual things, but you're not practicing what you preach. Kids will do as you do, not so much as you say. And so if you want to lead your family like Elkanah did, you're going to set the tone in your home, and you're going to lead by example. Does that make sense? Amen. So he took his family to worship. Now, possibly one of the reasons he went uh, to the Lord of hosts for help was because his two wives... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there lies a problem right there. His two wives were battling each other. Penina 
had children, one had children, and Hannah was barren. One had children, and one was barren. And, and the one who was barren was bothered by it because in that culture, barrenness was thought to be a sign of God's displeasure with you. In other words, something is wrong with you. did something wrong, and now God's not going to allow you to reproduce. And if, barren was, if being barren wasn't enough, Penina, the one who had the, the, the children, well, her, her name, I found two translations for her name. One of them was Jewel, Jewel as in a precious Jewel, and the other one was Mouth, Mouth. Now, honestly, I don't know how much of a Jewel she was. Maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. But she certainly lived up to that second definition of a name. She had a mouth on her and a big one because she couldn't, she couldn't just be happy with the fact that she's the only one bearing children for her husband. No, uh, she fell into the same trap as, as last week we, uh, or what we talked about Hagar who, uh, two weeks ago who um, you know, had to start bragging and start throwing shade. So she had to rub it in, and the Bible says that there were times where she would just, you know, be merciless to Hannah to the point where Hannah would be driven to tears. And it was in her despondency, Hannah's despondency, that she cried out to Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9. It says, Once... When they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up, and now Eli, the priest, was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Listen. And in bitterness of soul, listen to that. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord, and she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. And then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. In other words, she's now, she's wanting to bargain with the Lord. Uh, she, she, she's willing to enter into a Nazarite vow concerning her son, who would be like Samson. And if you read the story, the Bible says, um, while she's at the temple pouring out her heart to the Lord, her lips were moving, and Eli, who was the high priest at the time, looks at her, and he mistakenly thinks that she, you know, she's been drinking. And so she, he, that's why she's kind of babbling at the, at the altar, and, and he goes, and he rebukes her, to which she responded, no, no, my Lord, I would never do that. I would never come to church drunk like that and, and disrespect the house. And then she poured out her her heart as to what was going on. And then he felt bad. And as the high priest that year, he turned to her and he blesses her. And so God heard her request and he gave her a son. You might, not remember, you might remember his name. His name was Samuel, who became one of the greatest prophets and judges and leaders of Israel at the time, of all time, actually. Now, one reason I think God kind of answered her prayer is because because she knew that Israel needed a godly man at that time in their history. 
Israel needed a Samuel. Now, I kind of went off in my spirit. Um, it just went off because how many know that we need some godly people right now? We need some, we need some Samuels to be raised up for such a time as now to fulfill the God, God's plans and purposes uh, for what's going on. We need some Esthers and, and Ruths and some Elijahs to, to stand up for such a time as now. And I believe that God is raising up people just like that. And it might be someone just like you. That God is calling you that even though the culture is going south, he's calling you to, 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 to not you know, conform to the patterns in the, uh, of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and start putting your trust in the Lord and he will reveal his His, his perfect and, and pleasing plan to you. But God is calling for such a time as now to raise, to, to raise up the Samuels and the Esthers of this world. And that might be you. Now, she had the right motives and God honored that. Now, remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 13? This is what he said. He said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. In other words, whatever you ask in my name for the glory of God the Father, he says, I'm going to get behind that request. Now, it's not necessarily saying that whatever you ask, he's going to do it especially if it has to do with your own self-interest or your own self-glory. There are a lot of people who will take the Scripture and say, no, Pastor Rick, the Bible says you're not going to ask anything. The Bible says that God's going to give me the desire of my heart. And so, and so they'll take that Scripture and they'll start, you know, going around town and start laying hands on things and saying, I claim this in the name of Jesus. And they start, you know, doing that kind of, what do they call it, name it and claim it sort of thing. And I'm like, no, you're taking that scripture out of context. When he says, I'll give you the desires of your heart, it means he will give you the desires of your heart. Not, not whatever you desire, he's going to give you. God is not a, a Santa Claus, you know, or ATM in the sky. He's got a plan and a purpose. He's looking for people who are willing and wanting to get on the same page as him. And he says, I will give you the desires of your heart. If you start approaching him and you start seeking him and you truly want to know God's plan for you, he will write his desires on your heart. I will give you the desires of your heart. Now watch this. And when he starts to put those desires in your heart, you're going to want what he wants. You're going to desire the things he desires. And then he's going to back up those things and say, you've got the You've got the, the backing of all heaven behind that because now you're on the same page as me. Amen? Amen. And so with that said, listen to me. I want to give you four good reasons because a lot of times people misconstrue uh, what are the conditions that we can call on Jehovah Sabaoth, uh, a.k.a. the Lord of hosts or the Lord Almighty. I'm going to give you four good reasons and four situations where you should be calling on him. Number one, you should call on him when you feel oppressed. When you feel oppressed. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. 
it says about, about her, about Hannah, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. She was feeling oppressed. She was feeling torment. And in her torment, she cried out to the Lord. Listen, what's tormenting you today? What's causing you to, to feel oppressed? Well, the answer is the same. You need to cry out to the Lord. Look, look at this response in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. And Elkanah, after crying out to the Lord, his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. And so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Because I asked the Lord for him. Basically, God answered her prayer. And again, my question to you is, are you feeling oppressed? Is there someone right now who's, who's maybe causing you to feel, you know, or a situation that's causing you to feel overwhelmed or depressed like Hannah was? If so, you should be calling out to Jehovah Sabaoth. God goes to battle. Listen to me. God goes to battle when our backs are against the wall. Amen? Number two, you should be calling on uh, uh, Jehovah Sabaoth when you feel overwhelmed. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. And most of us are familiar with this story, but let me just read this verse. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you, what does it say? In the name of the Lord Almighty. And that's the same phrase, in the name of Jehovah Sabaoth, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. Again, we all know the story, and, and we know it's victorious Conclusion, David's job was to take some bread and some cheese to the commander of the unit and to also check on how his older brothers were doing. And while he was there, David heard Goliath shout his usual defiance. And, and this taunting went on. Listen to me. It, you know, basically, you have the children of Israel on one side and you had the Philistine army on the other side. And the Giant, this giant of a man would come out every day and say, listen, why should everybody shed their blood? We'll send out our champion and you send out yours. And then he would curse them all and then he would curse their gods and this would happen twice a day, morning and evening. Send somebody out. And this is when David rolls up on the front line with his, with his you know, happy meal for his, for his family and he's hearing all of this go on went on for 40 days. And each time the Israelites heard the voice of this giant, they would tremble in their, wherever they were. They would run and they would, and they would tremble in great fear. But David, David stands up and he says, listen, fear not, men. Fear not. He's, I will take care of this guy. Now his brother, 
his older brother didn't particularly like David. And he turns around to him and he says, just go home. Just go home. But the word had gotten out to King Saul that there was one. Because nobody had stood up and said, I'll take on the giant. <laughs> Only David said, I'll do it. And word came to, 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 to Saul. And so Saul goes to him and he meets with him. And, but when he sees David, he tries to dissuade him. He said, boy, boy, you're just a boy. And this dude has been a killing machine since he was a boy. It's not a good idea for you to go after. But David, David wouldn't be dissuaded. And he gives his reasonings. And I love his reasonings. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. Listen. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And one translation is uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, David had some experiences while he was out in the field attending the flock of where he was. Mind you, he was a shepherd boy. And his responsibility at the time was to take care of the sheep, okay, or take care of the flock or the family. And while he was there, he said that along came a, 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 a lion one time, and, and God gave him victory over that lion. He was able to, 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 to kill that lion. And he says, and along came a bear, and he was able to kill that bear. And he said, oh, king, the same God who gave me the victory over from the, from the lion, the same God who gave me the victory over the bear, is going to give me the victory over this Philistine. And so Saul became convinced, and he decides, you know what, let's, let me give him a shot. And he offers David his own armor. And when he puts on David, when David puts it on, well, David, Saul, if, if you remember the story of, uh, of Saul, the, the Bible says he, he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. So he was taller he was, than most guys. Good-looking dude, someone to look up at. But David was an average size, and he, the Scripture says he's, you know, he's basically he's a boy. He's a young kid. So when he puts on Saul's armor, the armor is too, too clunky. And he makes the decision, you know, I, I cannot go into battle using this thing using Saul's armor because it's too big. He takes it off. He ditches, the, he ditches the armor. He decides to go get a sling and a few stones, and he goes after the giant. Now, when he steps out of the, of the ranks of his trembling, you know, his countrymen, when he steps out, the moment the giant sees him, the giant becomes insulted. You, you, send, you send a boy as your champion, okay? And he starts to ridicule, and he starts to say stuff like, you know, I'm going give to your, give your flesh to the birds of the air and, the, and to the beasts of the field. In other words, he starts to say, boy, you are dead meat. And in David's response back, well, we heard in verse 45, you can read it when you get a chance, he tells the giant explicitly <laughs> what's going to be his fate and then in verse uh, 47, what the end result is going to be. Listen to this. He said, all those gathered here, <laughs> once I'm done with you, will know that it's not by sword or spear, listen to me, that the Lord saves. 
It's not, by the, it's not by the strength of your own wisdom or the strength of your own arms. By the time I'm done with you, O giant, they're going to know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle belongs to the Lord. And he will give all of you into our hands. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And so in the eyes of the men who were there, the Israelites, when they saw this giant for 40 days, in their own mind, this dude is nine, 10 feet tall, however tall he was, a killing machine, and they saw themselves as little mice of men. But David, in David's eyes, God was the giant. Someone needs to hear me. In David's eyes, God was the giant and Goliath was the mouse with a big mouth. That kind of reminds me of what Isaiah 54, 17 says, and this is a great one to memorize. Matter of fact, I want you all to say it out loud with me right now. One, two, three, go. No weapon forced against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Anybody not ashamed to say you're a servant of the Lord? Come on, somebody. When it says no weapon forced against you shall prosper, it doesn't say no weapon will be forced against you. No. <laughs> if you're a Christ follower... Um, there will be weapons forced against you. But the promise that he makes is whatever the enemy's trying is not going to work. It's not going to succeed. No weapon forced against you will prevail. And I love that. It says, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Now, with that said, listen, while we're still on the second point, I want to very quickly give you a couple principles, about seven of them, seven principles from this encounter that's going to help you or help us when we start to feel overwhelmed with the circumstances of life. When we start to feel like, you know, this thing that we're facing could possibly take us out. Number one first thing you need to realize is we will always have to face giants. We will be facing giants. Um, Jesus says in this world, you will have trouble. But he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. So there will be giants of anxiety and fear. There will be giants of, well, quite frankly, everybody knows, everybody knows what I'm talking about right about now with this coronavirus in the air. But there, there might be issues of animosity or, animosity or intimidation. Or, or, or you may pick up uh, enemies while you're in this world. The scripture says, think it not strange if you come under various trials and, and tribulations because the trying of your faith produces endurance. God has not left you. God has not abandoned you. And don't think it's strange that there will be giants in the land. Number two, 
You have to get to the place where you measure the giants that you face against the greatness of your God and not yourself. Let me say that one more time. You got to measure the giants that you're facing against the greatness of your God and not yourself, not your situation, not your circumstance. Listen to me. It may be bigger than you, feel bigger than you, but it's never going to be bigger than your God (laughs) because big brother (laughs) is in your situation on the bus watching. And you may, have, you may be taking a blow or two. You may be feeling the repercussions of the financial situation or, or even, you know, something going on with your work or, or the loss of this or that. But you may be down, but you ain't out. And Big Brother is right there. And Satan may think that he have you. He has you, but he doesn't. That's his, always his biggest mistake. He always thinks he has the upper hand when he's picking on the wrong guy. Amen? You are not in your situation alone. So stop measuring it against yourself and start measuring it against the greatness of your God. Number three, don't try to fight the giants with someone else's solution. Don't try to fight the giants with someone else's solution. The Bible says, you know, to be careful of the counsel that you take. There's always somebody in the family that got something to say about your situation. Some cousin or some, uh, you know, your hairdresser or your girlfriend or your boy, your guy friend, you know, and and you're having marital issues and then you're talking to your your friend, your, your, your single friend who's been divorced three times. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. You heard the statement, misery loves company. You keep going to the wrong people for advice, you're going to get bad advice, all right? And, and so you're going to start trying on, you're going to start trying on other people's solutions. Rather than trying on other people's solutions, come on, somebody, we need to try on God's armor. I, I, I read somewhere about the full armor of God that God has set forth for every single believer that we can put on and apply on a daily basis, and it's in his word so that we can start getting godly advice and, 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 and start having a godly response and, and, and start having those type of results from doing it God's way rather than man's way. Don't try to fight the giants with someone else's solutions. Let me give you number four. Don't run away from your problems. Stop running away from your problems. You ever heard that, that old song, that old 50s song, something about run, 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 run away Sue or something along those lines? Right? And the idea is that she keeps running around. Um, we got to get to that place where we stop running. David, when it came time to facing the giant, he, 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 didn't, he decided, I wasn't going to keep, wear, I'm not going to wear Saul's armor. Saul's armor works for Saul, it, it don't necessarily work for me. I got to do my thing and do it the way God is. I, I got to approach things the way God made me. And so he took off Saul's armor, and instead of doing what everybody else was doing, trembling in their, in their boots and running away every time this dude came out, he went ahead and got his sling. That was, he was, that's something he was 
fairly decent at. And he got, the Bible says, four stones. A lot of preachers like to speculate why he picked four. He only needed one. Some of them say because he had four brothers. <laughs> and he loaded up that sling. And what did he do? What does the Bible say he does? He doesn't run away. He starts running toward the giant. He starts running toward the, the, the giant. Not because he was convinced of his own greatness or necessarily his own skill level. He already told us it's the same God who gave me the victory over the, the lion and the same God who gave me the victory over the bear is going to give me the victory over this, this, this giant in my life. He wasn't convinced of the greatness of his own skills. He was convinced of the greatness of his God. Come on, somebody. Amen? That's who he was convinced about. And so, stop running away from your problems and start allowing God to, to, to help you to deal with whatever those, that situation is. Because the, the problem that you run away from, that's the problem that's going to keep causing you um, um, issues over and over again. But if you get to that place where you start to deal with it, then God's going to give you the victory over it. Now, let me ask you something. Do you like what you're hearing so far? I hope you do. Do you want to hear, do you want to hear the rest? Because I got a few more points, several more points. Well, if you want to hear the rest, you've got to tune in next week to get the exciting conclusion of this message, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angelic armies. Because that's a good place for us right now to, to kind of end what we're talking about today. Right on that note, because the Bible makes it clear. Someone told me the other day, um, you know, I found the Lord and people will make statements like that all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I always hear that. But the truth of the matter is God wasn't lost. We were. And Jesus said, the son of man comes to seek and save the, save the lost. The truth of the matter is you, you don't find God. He's finding you. But you've got to stop running. You've got to stop um, coming up with excuses to go in the opposite direction. And rather than running from him, you need to start running to him. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Where are you today? Are you at that place where you understand that you have a father in heaven who loves you and wants relationship with you? Are you like Hannah in a, in a distressful situation. But Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, is wanting you to know today that you are not alone. And that big brother is right there with you. And, he, and if you would get to that place where you start to turn those things over to him, not turn them over and then take it back. <laughs> some, people, some people are famous for that. Leaving it at the altar and then taking it back. That's no way to live. Turn it over and then put your trust in him and start believing that he's going to start to give you those victories in your life. Cry out to him, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angelic uh, uh, armies, 
who has the full resources of heaven at his disposal, that if you would start to draw near to him, he will draw near to you. If that's you today, the Bible says, again, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. But start to surrender. You know what the universal sign for surrender is? I give up. Start to surrender. Start to humble your heart before him. And as you start to submit yourself to God in that way, God will draw closer to you. And the scripture says he will take up residence with you. And the promises of God where he says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you that will come into play for you. If that's you today, it be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. Bow your heads and close your eyes and say something like this. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I thank you. I thank you for your amazing promises. I thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah Sabaoth, Sabaoth and that you are the Lord of hosts and that you have all the resources of heaven. And that in Christ, you have given um, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, the most important resource, the payment for the penalty for my sins. And so, Father, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life and come into my heart. Today, I surrender all to you. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, and with your love. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen again, if you prayed that prayer with me just now, we want to know, all right? The most important thing is to let people know that you've surrendered your life to Christ. Don't ever be ashamed of, of Jesus or the gospel. He wasn't ashamed of us. He went to the cross for every single one of us. And so... You let somebody know. And if, and if there's nobody, if you're, I know some of you are, you know, you're sheltering in place and you're by yourself, but you just gave your life to Jesus, you can go on a, online. You, if you're watching on our website or anything along those lines or um, uh, one of our social media sites, just say, I pray to receive Christ right now. I gave my life to Jesus. All right? And just let us know. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't miss the exciting conclusion of this message next week, part two. I'll be looking forward to meeting with you again. God bless you.
Hello everyone. We hope you found today's worship and message to be encouraging and that you have something meaningful to take away and cherish this week. Please share it with a friend. This message may be just what they need to hear today. If you made any decisions for Christ, let us know. Whether you gave your life to Christ for the first time today or you recommitted your life, put it in the chat feed. We want to pray for you. You can also let us know by filling out our Let's Get Acquainted form. Our moderators place the link to the form in the chat. We want to know how you're doing. Submit your prayer requests and also any praise reports via our prayer request form. The link for that will also be available in the chat feed. Your continued support is vital to this ministry. You can give via our website at lwccftl.org or you can simply text the amount you would like to give to 954-329-1199. I have a few reminders for you. This Thursday, May 7th, from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m., we'll be having a drive-through food distribution at the church. If you know anyone in need of food, please let them know so they can come out and get some. We do need a few volunteers to assist with this from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. So for more details and to sign up, visit lwccftl.org slash events. In an attempt to stay connected, we have something going on for everyone each week via Zoom video communications. Our kids ministry, Splash Zone Kids, have weekly themed events on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Our youth ministry, Surge, are also meeting weekly on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Our ministry to young adults, Overflow, they have a game night tonight at 7 p.m. We also have our sermon-based life group led by Pastor Rick meeting on Thursdays at 7 p.m. All of these events via Zoom. To sign up for any of them, just visit lwccftl.org slash events. I'm gonna encourage you to check that page out weekly so you can stay connected and participate in all we have going on. That's it for our announcements today. Don't forget to subscribe or follow us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Be safe and see you next week. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.